0: this is a podcast about jeopardy hello and welcome to potent potables your weekly jeopardy podcast where two former competitors bring you recaps and analysis of the week's jeopardy episodes a deep dive into a topic inspired by one of those episodes and a quiz i'm kyle
1: and I'm Emily, and this is the week of January 22nd, 2024. We've got Champions Wildcard quarterfinals this week. We're, we're off of the Friday to Monday cliffhanger routine that we were in for a right. while. Yeah, so that's good. But before we talk about those games, let's check in. How are you doing, Kyle? Uh,
0: I'm doing pretty good. My job has started and I'm doing onboarding stuff, which is not exciting, but at least it's moving in the right direction. So that feels good. And listeners can expect my declaration yeah, as a candidate for United States president coming up soon. Great. Because I am now officially 35 years old.
1: Mm-hmm. Happy and birthday.
0: Thank you. And that's really all it takes, apparently, is to check that box. Yeah to feel like you should run for president. So that's what I'm uh-huh. going to be doing. I'll be taking up most of my time going forward. So
1: yeah. How What's are you your doing? Platform?
0: <laughs> oh, uh, my platform is do things right and not be bad.
1: Good. Okay. That seems like it should be the consensus. And yet here we are. And yet, um, here we are. yeah, <laughs> and yet here we are. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. My son had his middle school orchestra concert yesterday. Mm. I got to hear probably 80, fifth and sixth graders play We Will Rock You by Queen on only string instruments.
0: The way it was meant to be heard. <laughs>
1: yes <laughs> yeah they did they did a great job. He plays bass. For fifth grade each student must participate in either orchestra or chorus or band and only love one it. of those because Don't love that. Yeah, I don't I don't love that either. It was he was stressed out about before school started about which to choose because in elementary school he was in orchestra and chorus and those were things that rehearsed before or after school and in 5th grade you your music class is one of those things I think they do some you know like music education separate from you know the, the performance aspect but they do it in those in those groups he was really stressed out about which to choose and we were like you got to go with orchestra on this one buddy like
0: because
1: mm-hmm. because the orchestra is going to be especially the kids who already have started playing an instrument you know it's going to be the kids right. who and, and the chorus is going to be the catch-all for kids who don't have an interest in music right um right which is, a, which is a bummer. I don't like when chorus is that. Sure.
0: But you know. I mean, also speaking from the skills side, continuing to play an instrument every day, if he wants to sing when he gets to hopefully like the high school level where he could choose both, you mm-hmm. can jump back into vocal a lot more easily and catch up a lot more quickly Yeah, than instrumentals. All
1: right. So, hey, let's talk about Jeopardy. The contestants on Monday, January 22, returning champions who won some games but not enough to qualify outright for the tournament of champions are ron chung an economics professor from lakewood ohio daniel moore a contract compliance analyst from pittsburgh pennsylvania and holly hassel an english professor from calumet michigan and the jeopardy round categories are what a day with day in quotation marks letters of the law we had that category when we were on mm-hmm. Jeopardy, but it wasn't, it was that category title. They didn't recycle these questions from our game, at least. Right. Word origins. The job is the movie title. It's getting cold in here. And so put on all your clothes. I appreciate that. Is <laughs> that Nelly? Was it's getting hot in here? Nelly? Yes. I think it, it was, was Nelly. It was
0: Nelly. It yeah. was Nelly. It does make me realize how much of a dad i am now because when my kids are like i'm cold i'm like well put on some clothes yeah put on layers get a Mm -hmm. get a blanket what do you what do you expect me to do about it of course i will say my children choose on days that it's like below zero they put on like a ballerina outfit or like Mm -hmm. their gymnastics leotard and i'm like you you're telling me you're cold and you put on like the least amount of clothes possible yeah you have sweaters (laughs) you have You have enough clothes that when you don't take care of them, there is a four to five inch layer on the bottom of your closet (laughs) where we cannot reach the floor. Like, please, children. Yeah. We built a tunnel out of the clothes on your floor. Anyway, that's not Jeopardy. The $800 clue of what a day. I did not know this. The U.S. Army first used this term in 1918 to designate September 12th for the launch of a big attack in France. Makes sense. That's D-Day. Which... The D doesn't really stand for anything. It just stands for like day, like day of days.
1: Mm-hmm. Is the Oh I thing. I had always wondered what the D stood for.
0: Yeah, it doesn't it I think the answer is like not really anything, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's like the the day, the day day, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, We had a miss and rebound at the eight hundred dollar level of the job is the movie title. Mickey Rourke threw his hat in the Oscar ring after his performance as Randy the Ram Robinson in this two thousand eight drama. Ron tried what is the boxer. Daniel got the rebound with what is the wrestler, which reminded me of my deep dive about boxing for people who you know, like me, who know that it's separate from wrestling and that's all they've got. And also, I I was like, oh, there was another movie that I get mixed up. What was that one called? Because I don't think it was the boxer. The Fighter. Fighter. The Fighter Mm -hmm. was about boxing. Was that Christian Uh, Bale? Christian Bale was in it. Yeah. And Mark Wahlberg. Ah, okay. Mark Wahlberg. Yes.
0: Daily Double number one is in It's Getting Cold in Here in the $400 Clue. Pick number 27. It's very late. Daniel finds it. He's at 6,400. Holly's at 3,200. Ron's at 800. Wagers 3,000. Gets the clue. On February 3rd, 1996, the Star Tribune and the Pioneer Press headlined a big stat for these two adjoining cities. Negative 60 degrees. And he gets correct with what are Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Holly's at 3,200. Daniel is up to 9,600. And Ron's at 1,200. Double Jeopardy categories are short stories temperamental artists this category is mid with mid and quotation marks who's what aviation pioneers and jukebox musicals challenging jukebox musical category
1: i struggled with that one also to be honest um yeah. and i'm oh, I'm oh the, so did i yeah yeah i i i'm usually the one who's like oh yeah music category musical category no sweat but yeah
0: but the, I don't know. The jukebox musicals, I feel like, are much more forgettable.
1: Yeah. Typically. I'm not, I'm not a big jukebox jukebox musical gal. Yeah. Yeah. So I recognized the title of A Beautiful Noise, but couldn't remember who that was about. That was Neil Diamond. Mm-hmm. That one was a triple stumper. Girl from the North Country. This boy from Duluth. That was the $1,600 level. Ron tried with his Prince. That's associated
0: a, with Minnesota, so I guess that makes right. sense.
1: Yeah, I, I see the logic there. That turned into a triple stumper, and it was Bob Dylan. On your feet, that's Gloria Estefan. That was a triple stumper, but I did know that one.
0: I couldn't remember because anytime I hear that, like I forget who it's by, but I it just takes me to Parks and Rec. Leslie Nope uses it as her campaign song uh, mm-hmm. for her campaign rallies when she's running for uh, city council.
1: Every
0: yeah. everything comes back to the office or Parks and Rec for me, apparently.
1: Yeah. Once upon a one more time, Daniel got that one. That's Britney Spears. I didn't even know there had been a Britney Spears jukebox musical. Maybe I think it, it opened and then immediately closed. <laughs> and then they did. They also got the two four hundred. We will rock you, as yeah. we just discussed. That's by Queen. Right. And Ron got that one.
0: Have I talked about the four hundred dollar clue of who's what? on the podcast? I don't I feel think like so. I have. I don't think maybe, so. Maybe not. I've talked about it in a lot of settings because anyway, the clue is in mythology, all of the world's troubles escaped from this object, but hope remained. Uh, Ron got it. That's Pandora's box. That was, you know, that's the, the story of Pandora's box. She was given this box and told not to open it and she opened it anyway and all the evils came out. But the it never makes sense to me that hope is also in there because mm. it's like it's filled with the world's evils and hope is typically not evil so did she close the box before hope got out which in which case like why would we have it or was hope in there with all the evils neither of those make sense there was a version that i came upon as an adult that instead of saying like hope remained it's that the last evil that she kept in the box was foresight and because we don't have foresight we can have hope
1: huh huh that's interesting
0: i like that version better because it makes a lot more sense Even, I mean, aside from the fact that it is a myth, you know, but in case you come across that in Mythology, there is another
1: version. Yeah, it's interesting. I did not realize there was a movie of this short story at the $2,000 level. Kristen Rupanian's 2017 tale about a date gone wrong. It became a 2023 movie with new events dreamed up by the screenwriter. How quickly we forget cat person which came out in December. The short story was in December 2017. Um, mm. And then there was like a follow-up essay alleging that it was based on, like that it wasn't autobiographical, but like that the author had based it on like real people without getting their permission. Um, Ooh. Yeah. So, you know, you want You want some cat person drama, go track that down. It was a slate essay. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Did you read Cat Person? When it I did was the not. One? Oh, okay.
0: Not to my knowledge. I am you know, I might have and just forgot. I don't know. Yeah. That was a long time ago. That was a lifetime ago. That was before we were even on Jeopardy.
1: It was before we were even on Jeopardy, yeah. Yes.
0: I can't even remember that far back.
1: Mm-hmm. Daily Double number two is at the $800 level of this category is mid. I know what that means because I'm a cool young person. Fig number 11, Ron finds it. He's at 5200 with Holly at 8400 and Daniel at 9200. He wagers 3,000, which will not quite put him into second place, but almost, and he gets the clue the demon of noon is the translation of the French term for this, which may lead to buying a red sports car, and he gets it he it is midlife crisis
0: <laughs> French name makes it a lot more dramatic mm hmm and the Daily Double number three is in Who's What at the $2,000 level. Pick number 21. Ron finds this one. He's at $7,400. Holly's at $7,200. Daniel's at $12,800. He bets $5,000. Gets a clue. Their name comes from Isaiah 43, and their belief that blood transfusions would displease God is based on other biblical passages. And he gets that correct with What Are Jehovah's Witnesses? Mm-hmm.
1: So at the end of the Double Jeopardy round... Ron is at 14,000, Daniel's at 13,200, Holly's at 8,800. And the final Jeopardy! category is presidents and vice presidents. With the clue, the first vice president and the first president, not born in one of the original 13 states, were both born in this state. Holly tried what is Tennessee. Ken sort of acknowledges her thought process and says, I also thought Andrew Jackson was from Tennessee, but he was born in the Carolinas. In fact. Yes. So that is not correct. She's wagered eighty seven hundred, all but a hundred. So she drops down. Daniel also tries what is Tennessee. He's wagered thirteen thousand two hundred, everything. So he drops to zero. That's I think that's too big of a wager. You might think about Holly doubling up, but you know, Ron's gonna have to make a big wager. You wanna hold some back here. And Ron tried what is New Hampshire. New Hampshire was one of the original thirteen colonies. I can never remember which ones were and weren't. I shouldn't mm. I should work on that (laughs) sure yeah ron wagered twelve thousand four hundred one. that's a cover bet it drops him to 1599 which should take him out of contention but hey the wagering errors on the parts of his competitors means that he pulled out a win here yeah and that's that's why you only make a cover bet not more than a cover bet right uh, because that might happen yeah
0: just just in case
1: the actual answer here is Kentucky. Abraham Lincoln was the first president not born in one of the thirteen colonies. He was from Kentucky. Well, um,
0: sounds wild, but I guess like you had to be born a lot closer to the founding of the country than when you were elected president. So
1: yeah, I guess I guess so. And wait, who was the vice president? Richard Mentor Johnson was born in Louisville, Kentucky. And I definitely remember mm-hmm.
0: who for he sure. is.
1: Yes, yeah. he was vice president under Martin Van Buren.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that brings us to Tuesday when we have the contestants Zanny Brown, a postdoctoral researcher for originally from Cincinnati, Ohio; Lynn Devito, a retired museum educator from Colorado Springs, Colorado; and Robbie Ramirez, a writer from Orlando, Florida. The Jeopardy round category is Young People's Nonfiction Constellations. Squeaker of the house, a fast category with fast in quotation marks. These stars sound like cars, and three letter, three letter.
1: Three letter, three letter did not include pull pot or hot pot.
0: Unacceptable.
1: I yeah. watched this when I'd just been editing the podcast. Mm. And so I was like, aha, <laughs> surely they will cover both pull pot and hot pot.
0: <laughs> yes, any kind of pot. Yeah. The very first clue was actually a three letter, three letter, three letter. It refers to the main tent of a circus or to the circus itself. Zenny said, What's the big top? Mm-hmm. I guess we're not including the, but that's a that's a th- three word. Yeah. Correct response. These stars sound like cars. I had the hardest time my I, I just got hung up on like trying to figure out a car angle instead of just like figuring out who they were talking about. Yeah. Chevy Chase this SNL that played worldwide golf and 15 out of the high web and Caddyshack. I was like, Bill Murray, wait, that's not a car. How is Bill Murray a car? But he, <laughs> it wasn't Bill Murray anyway, but I'd like, <laughs> you know, like that, that, all of these, all of these bad connections I was making.
1: I similarly struggled. I did just know Porsche to Rossi by sure. sight. So mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, I, Henry and regarding Henry and branch Ricky and 42 are two more sedentary roles of this star of many action flicks. And I, Got hung up on cars, but didn't think of Harrison Ford. But Robbie did. Mm-hmm. Good job, Robbie. Yes.
0: Yeah. Are cheese curds supposed to squeak when you bite them? Yes. I, okay. I think I'm too far west for cheese curds to be like a really common thing. I don't know, mm-hmm. or maybe too far south. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, I encountered them at Culver's, and that is it. So okay. I don't. I, I wasn't aware that they're supposed to squeak when you bite them, which feels gross. Yeah. Feels really weird. Yeah, I I don't know
1: how I know they're supposed to. I guess I know some people from Wisconsin. I guess it's come up that way. I don't know. Sure. They're not really a thing here, but I'm familiar with them as a Wisconsin thing, and I've heard that they are supposed to squeak. Okay. Yeah. I've been Googling to try and figure out the relationship between Chevy Chase, the actor, and Chevy Chase, Maryland. (laughs) Is there a connection? I do. I don't think so. Is Chevy Chase Maryland just called Chevy Chase Maryland, why? Or, or did somebody just name their? No. Oh, I bet it's a stage name, isn't it? Probably. But why? Okay. So for Maryland, the name Chevy Chase is derived from Chevy Shaws, the name of the land patented to Colonel Joseph Bell from Charles Calvert, Fifth Baron Baltimore.
0: Chevy Chase's real name is Cornelius Crane Chase.
1: Okay. It feels weird to pick Chevy Chase as your stage name, but you know what? You do you, Chevy yeah. Chase. Daily double number one is in three letter, three letter. It's at the $800 level. Pick number 13 and Zanny finds it. She's at 3400 with Robbie at 1400 and Lynn at 2600 And she makes it a true daily double, uh, which I think is a great play here. Mm-hmm. And her clue is melatonin disruption plays a role in this time zone desynchronization. She gets it correct. It's jet lag. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Robbie's at 3,800, Lynn at 4,000, Zannie at 11,400. So she's really you know cap- gotten a lead and then capitalized on it. And the double, round, double Jeopardy round categories are U.S. cities, Greek cuisine, poets and poetry, Go forth and rule. Fourth, there is like a Roman numeral. Like we're going to be focusing on, you know, we, you, you know, fill in the world leader. The fourth, right? Movies, movies in rewind and rhyming verb pairs.
0: Are those called reginal numbers.
1: Yes, okay. regional numbers. Thank you.
0: I was. I just. I think I just learned that term this week. So I was. I wanted to make sure that I actually got it right. There were two instances on this board where I thought if I were on stage, I would call it Jeopardy's favorite, you know, if I got Mm -hmm. the correct answer. $400 level of poets and poetry. Adina Gosha's darling seat begins, addressed to Edinburgh, a poem not in the Scottish dialect by this man. And I would have said, what is Jeopardy's favorite? Robbie Burns. Mm -hmm. Lynn got it. That's good. And then the $1,200 level of go forth and rule. (laughs) <laughs> the IV, emperor of this African country, spent much of his 19th century reign repelling military threats from Egypt and Italy. Then gets what's Libya, but Lynn got it with what's Jeopardy's favorite, Ethiopia. Jeopardy's favorite. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I absolutely. And believe,
0: I believe Addis Ababa comes up later in the week.
1: Yes, yes it does. I got so messed up in this round by movies in Rewind. <laughs> I got all, I think, of the movies in Rewind, but then I kept trying to chronologically reverse all the other clues. <laughs> <laughs> Movies and Rewind was really, I mean, it was a fun category. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The $2,000 level, a slave entertains ancient Rome and rises to become an army general, an advisor to the emperor, and a happy family man. <laughs> if Robbie got that? That's gladiator. The $800 level, a government worker flies to Iran with some folks and tries desperately against long odds to get them to a Canadian's house. Uh, <laughs> and if Robbie got that one also that's argo. Yeah, they were all like that. Robbie got 4 of them, Zanny got one. I thought they were really fun, but then they just got me like you have to like really get on it to like work out how that how to make it backwards so you can know mm-hmm. what movie they're talking about. And then I kept applying that principle to other clues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we we went from two of those to US cities many a cruise leaves out of Fort Everglades in this city, the seat of Broward County, and I was like, "Okay, so cruises come in th- like how wh- how do you backwards it <laughs> yeah that was <would> be weird <laughs> yeah so yeah they they were just looking for the seat of Broward County Fort Lauderdale which Zanny tried Miami and and then Lynn got the rebound on that one <laughs> that's it's not backwards mm-hmm. it's just it's just a regular jeopardy clue right yeah
0: <laughs> this this round actually went pr- pretty exciting Lynn remained in third place for pretty much the whole time. But you know, Robbie, you know, Sandy came in with a big lead, but Robbie worked his way up to take a pretty big lead. We had some daily double happenings. and then going into the the like the end of the round, it was very close in like the the wood. You know who is going to have the lead? Who is going to be far enough? It was—it was actually pretty exciting. To get into the the last clues. So daily double number two is pick number seventeen in the rhyming verb pairs category at the eight hundred dollar level. Robbie finds it. Like I said, he's gotten himself out to a big lead. He's at fifteen thousand eight hundred. Lynn's at six thousand, and he's at ninety four hundred. He wagers fifty eight hundred. He gets the clue to do away with a law and to make something smoother and shinier by rubbing it. And he doesn't get there. He starts with what is to repeal. But uh, that's incorrect. It's abolish and polish.
1: And daily double number three is at the $2,000 level of go forth and rule. Zanny finds this one. She's at $11,800, just behind Robbie, who's at $12,000. Lynn is trailing at $5,600. tries to take the lead with a $3,000 wager, and her clue is Peter IV was king of this region of northeastern Spain for 50 years and often at odds with Mallorca and Castile. I guess I should I should mention about her wager because I noted this. I saw her eyes go to the scores, but then I saw her eyes also sort of flick across the board and try and figure out, you know, Mm -hmm. how do I wager big enough that I can keep the lead if I get this right? Right. Because there's not much cash left on the board. She guesses Catalonia, um, but it's Aragon, so she does drop down.
0: Yes. So going into Final Jeopardy, Robbie's in the lead at twelve thousand eight hundred. Lynn is at six thousand, and Zenny's at ninety six hundred. Final Jeopardy category is U.S. business founders, and the clue is a 1934 note to him. "Quote: Received hunting clothes and thank you for those wonderful shoes. They fit perfectly. Your friend, Babe Ruth." Lynn got it correct with who is L.L. Bean, outdoor clothing founder, who I did not realize was a real person until just then. <laughs> wagered 2700, went up to 8700. Zani wrote, "Who is Eddie Bauer?" That's the other one, I guess wagered 3200 dropped to 6400 But Robbie got it correct also with Who Is L.L. Bean, made a cover bet of 6600 and moves on to the quarterfinals. Nope, mm. to the semifinals.
1: So we find ourselves in, at Wednesday, January 24th, where the contestants are Kelly Berry, a marketing communications manager from Seattle, Washington. Boyd Tsai, a professor of American literature, originally from Rockford, Illinois. And Dylan Hupp, an associate director of development. From Syracuse, New York. And the Jeopardy round categories are love story, our song, bad blood, shake it off. You will make the correct response by dropping the letters I-T from a word. We are never ever getting back together. And the errors tour. We have a themed board here. We do. These are Taylor Swift songs. Oh, yeah, they
0: are. Except, well, I mean, the Errors Tour. Well, except tour, for the obviously. Errors Tour, yeah. My daughters enjoy listening to Taylor Swift. hmm And my older daughter, who is, you know, very firmly in a very literal stage of development, with every single song we listen to, once she figures out what the lyrics are, she'll ask us, is this a real story? Is this song real, or is she mm-hmm. making it up? And we're like, you know, most most songs are kind of in between, child. <laughs> most of the songs you hear it might not be a specific story. It might be. But it's usually kind of like based on like experiences that the singer has had or that mm-hmm. somebody has had or, yeah. you know, it's kind of nuanced. And she, that is a wholly unacceptable answer
1: mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. that child.
0: She's yeah. like, I think it's real. And I think she's talking to someone. And yeah. I'm like, okay, sure. I mean, I think with Taylor Swift, it kind with, of
1: is. With Taylor Swift, more than most artists, mm-hmm. like she has ones that are specifically fictional, right? Where she's like, kind of, you know, created like a set of characters or whatever, right? Isn't I think folklore is you like you would that know better maybe. than I would. And and then she has ones that are like, I mean, she she, I think as a rule doesn't confirm who the songs are about, but like. Some of them are are very specifically about specific people. Right. Most notably all too well, I would say. But yeah, she goes after her exes pretty specifically.
0: Right, (laughs) right. I also didn't want to get into that with my seven-year-old to be like, Uh, actually, this very famous singer puts (laughs) individuals on blast very publicly, (laughs) and we're just kind of cool with it. In fact, we turn them into number one hits.
1: Yeah you know i I mean i don't know like i've i have explained what's going on with all too well to to my eight-year-old i'm like she was dating a man who was much too old for her and really should have known better and he was not good to her and she's like he didn't show up for her 21st birthday and i'm like i know right and she's like do people boo him when he walks down the street
0: who knows child maybe
1: (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) yeah we didn't really touch on taylor swift in the content of the clues themselves
0: no no we did not we did touch on content that has been covered in the podcast there's a triple stumper in bad blood at the 800 hundred dollar level to prevent bleeding problems due to a deficiency newborn babies are given a shot of this vitamin vital for cl- blood clotting dylan guess what's folic acid it's vitamin k mm-hmm. i recall you discussing vitamin k
1: yeah, I think that might have been like in the quiz when I did like the history of vitamin C. Mhm. Yeah.
0: Mhm. I do believe so. I
1: that. Mhm. That vitamin K shot, that's important. I was relieved that they gave Kelly credit at the 800 dollars level of the errors to our examples of this oopsie with ism or without include chicken pops. He took her for granite and decapitated tated coffee. Wait, what's chicken pops? Chicken pox? Oh, chicken pox. Okay, got it. And Kelly rang in and then tripped over her words a little bit, which is sort of apt. Uh Yeah, it makes.
0: if you're going to get it wrong that way, this is the one to do it on. Yeah,
1: but she was close. She was close enough. Malapropism is the response there. Daily double
0: number 1 is pick number 10. It's at the $800 level of Shake It Off. Lloyd finds it. He's at 1200, Dylan's at 1400 and Kelly is at 1800. Lloyd bets it all and gets the clue. Drop it from a word for a hollow space to get this South American rodent. And Lloyd does not get there. Guesses what is a hamster? I don't I mean you're guessing I'm guessing a rodent. I was trying to get there from capybara, but then I was like no yes. no 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 no. No 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 no. I like I got to cavity and I was like what what else could it be? Apparently, there's a rodent called a ca- cavy or cavey. Yes, cavey? yep, a cavey. Never heard of it. I think it's made yeah. up.
1: No, but, it's real. I've seen one. Yeah, okay, sure.
0: So you say. All right. Anyway, Lloyd drops to zero, but there's plenty left in the game. So going into the double jeopardy round, Dylan is at 1600. Lloyd is back in the lead up to 6200 and Kelly is at 4000. Double jeopardy categories are bald is beautiful. One-term presidents, island countries, art and artists, business travel, and from the Latin. Uh, Lloyd had a fun response at the $1,200 level of Bald is Beautiful. They showed a picture. This St. Louis Cardinals great slugged his 700th home run in 2022, his last season in Major League Baseball. Uh, And Lloyd responded, who is the wretched Albert Pujols? And then he said, go Cubs.
1: Is that like the adjective wretched there? Did he just pick that? Or yeah, is that I don't think like a, I don't think yeah.
0: Albert Pujols is commonly referred to as the wretched. Yeah, yeah,
1: okay, yeah. I think he was just. He's,
0: it's just that he was a cardinal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're a Cubs fan, the Cardinals are their perennial rivals. Cool. Although I don't, I didn't think I knew that he went back to the Cardinals. Yeah, he did because hmm. he was on the Cardinals. Then he went to the Angels for a while, but apparently he wanted to end his career as a cardinal. So it's cool.
1: The $800 level of island countries, the George cross on its flag dates to the 1940s when Britain's king gave it gave it the decoration for bravery in World War Two, And they showed the picture of the flag and Dylan got it. And I also knew right away that it was Malta. The Malta flag is like, a weird like shape for a flag, right? Like it's is it fully a square? Or is it it's just it's like No. I don't think so. It's like different dimensions than 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 a lot of flags, which always makes it stand out to me.
0: It has a two to three proportion. Huh. Which I don't know if that's not exactly the same as others. The only square flags are Switzerland and Vatican City.
1: Yeah. All right. The U.S. flag is ten to nineteen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's typical. Thing, I, I don't I know. Yeah. Union Jack is one to two. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll stand by my claim that that the the the, the Maltese okay. flag is like closer to square. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Than two, your average flag.
0: Sure. Okay.
1: Daily double number two is in From the Latin. It's at the $1,200 level. It's pick number four, and Lloyd finds this one. He's at 9000 with Dylan at 1600 and Kelly at 4000 He wagers just $1,000. does not love this category, maybe. And he gets the clue, this adjective, meaning the ultimate or most perfect form of, is partially derived from the Latin word for fifth. And I went right off down the wrong road thinking about... <laughs> The Greek word for fifth, I was like penultimate, like what? uh But Lloyd figured it out. It's quintessential.
0: Yeah. And daily double number three is in island countries at the sixteen hundred dollar level. Dylan finds this one. He's at seventy two hundred. Lloyd's up at thirteen thousand six hundred. Kelly's back at four thousand. He wagers five thousand. Uh, gets the clue. The national anthem of this small island nation says. Peacefully be the kingdom and sultan. And the clue there, of course, is sultan. And he gets around to it. He figures out that it is Brunei.
1: So at the end of the double Jeopardy round, Dylan is at 13,000. Lloyd is in a really solid lead with 25,200. And Kelly's at 2,400. The final Jeopardy category is 1980s movie characters. And the clue is Oliver Stone, screenwriter of this 1983 movie, named its main character to honor the Super Bowl winning quarterback from 1982. And this was a triple stumper. Kelly wrote what is, but didn't come up with anything. She wagered 600, so she'll drop to 1800. Dylan tried what is platoon. That's incorrect and wagered everything. He drops to zero. And Lloyd also tried platoon and made an $801 cover bet he drops down to 24,399. So he is the semi-finalist coming out of this game. And we were looking for Scarface here. Scarface. Yes. Tony Montana is named after Joe Montana, I guess. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, Platoon was never, six. I can never remember which one Oliver Stone is. There's some other guy oh. that I mix him up with.
0: Oliver Stone did direct Platoon, so if they were Yeah. If you're going through like nineteen eighties, best picture winners by Oliver mm-hmm. Stone, you know, like it's it's not a, bad, yeah. not a bad guess. Cool. So that brings us to Thursday when we have the contestants Alec Chow, a management and program analyst originally from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Connor Sears, a copy editor from Queens, New York, and Joanna Stobrock an adjunct professor and fiction writer from Walla Walla, Washington. Jeopardy on categories are Start Talking Shakespeare Character, Drinking Vessels, Backwards and Forwards, Highways and Byways, On My Historic CV, and Questionable Science in Pop Songs. That was a fun category. Mm-hmm. And the backwards and forwards was two words that are reverses of each other, I guess, spelling-wise. Yeah. Have we had a deep dive on Rasputin or have we just...
1: Yes, we have. I did one.
0: Okay. Yes, I thought so. I thought so. I was like, it feels right, but then sometimes we just talk about things and I'm not entirely certain. Yeah, the
1: $800 level of on my historic CV. 1905, introduced to the Russian royal family. 1915, personal advisor to the Empress. 1916, doesn't quite make it to New Year's. And Connor got that. That is Rasputin. That deep dive was like... A few years back during like deep COVID, I think.
0: I think so too. Yeah. It sounds yeah. right.
1: We had a triple stumper at the $1,000 level of drinking vessels. Emily Dickinson, another deep dive topic for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle did that one. Wrote, I taste a liquor-, liquor never brewed from these ale vessels scooped in pearl. Connor tried what's a stein. That's incorrect. It's tankards. Nobody tried for a rebound. I couldn't figure out what it was going to be. I just could not think of any word for an ale vessel that Emily Dickinson would, would
0: seems use. like she
1: would use.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's that's fair. I couldn't remember it. I, yeah. I, I know I've read that line before, but I yeah, I couldn't couldn't get there.
1: Yeah. Daily Double number one is at the thousand dollar level of highways and byways. It's pick number five. Alec finds it. He's at 2,000 at this point with Joanna at 800 and Connor at negative 800. He makes it a true daily double and he gets the clue important landmarks on this pioneer route included Chimney Rock in Nebraska and Fort Hall on the Snake River. And he gets it correct. It is the Oregon Trail there at the thousand dollar level of highways and byways. Okay. Well, you know,
0: I mean, may, I don't know. Maybe they're planning on people not having played the Oregon Trail. Some
1: people don't have the Oregon Trail in this great United States. Anyway, at the end of the Jeopardy round, Joanna is at 2,400. Connor and Alec are tied at 3,000. And the double Jeopardy categories are moments of inspiration. World capitals. That's world like... World. Yes. World capitals. (laughs) Feast days of Christianity. Nicknames. Nicknames. People who are places, and what do you stand for with you in quotation marks?
0: The world capitals was anagrams of mm-hmm. world capitals.
1: And of course, at the $1,600 level, it's on a horn, Ba Bad Said or Said. And Joanna gets this one Jeopardy's favorite, Addis yes. Ababa.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh-huh. Apparently, apparently there are three things you need to know when you go on Jeopardy and Ethiopia is one of them
1: yep it's not even a very good anagram
0: not really bah like B-A-A isn't really a word
1: yeah I would have absolutely blown the $400 level of feast days of Christianity October 2 honors these heavenly beings said by St. Jerome to protect us from harm Alec rings in with who are angels and Ken asks for more specificity and Alec gets it. It's guardian angels, and I think that I would have thought about several churches I know that are called All Angels, or Saint So and So and All Angels, and like my. I think I would have gone with All Angels, which would not make sense. Angels? Can you be more specific? <laughs> all all of, of them.
0: All of the angels. No, that would have been hilarious.
1: Yeah. If you can't be correct, you can at least be
0: funny. Be funny. Amen. All right, daily double number two is pick number nine. It's in the nicknames category, at the twelve hundred dollar level. Alec finds it. This I love this this clue. He's at eighty two hundred. John is at twenty four hundred. Connor is at fifty eight hundred, and he wagers twenty four hundred. Uh, gets a clue. This king's nickname of Unready meant badly advised in Anglo-Saxon, not unprepared. And he gets it correct with who is Ethelred,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the Unready.
1: Yeah, Ethelred the Unready. It's such a good name. It's good name. Uh, yeah, and daily double number three is in feast days of Christianity at the two thousand dollar level. Uh, Connor finds this one. He's at twelve thousand six hundred with Joanna at sixty hundred and Alec twelve hundred ahead of him thirteen thousand eight hundred. He wagers two thousand and he gets the clue Corpus Christi and Whitsunday. Day are examples of this type of feast that can fall on different dates in different years. And he tries what is a migrating feast? Not a bad guess. It is a movable feast, though, so he drops down.
0: And they stay pretty close, Connor and Alec do, heading into Final Jeopardy. Jonah's at 7,600, Connor's at 14,600, and Alec is at 15,400. Final Jeopardy category is classic literature, and the clue is... An intended sequel to this 1869 work centered on the Decembrists, a group of veterans who largely served in the Napoleonic Wars. Joanna guessed what is A Tale of Two Cities. That is incorrect. She wagered 6201. Connor guessed what is Les Miserables. And that is also incorrect. And he wagered 801, which is a smart bet. And Alec got it correct with what is War and Peace. Made a cover bet mm-hmm. of thirteen thousand eight hundred and one, so Alec gets that semi-final spot. I see how Napoleonic makes you think French, unless you rem- like you have to kind of know that the Decembrists were Russian,
1: right? Yeah, to
0: kind of point you in that direction. So yeah,
1: I these were the three novels that I thought about. I did not remember who the Decembrists were, and I can't quite remember whether they're all three the right time period, but like. I thought about Les Miserables, A tale, tale of Two Cities, or War and Peace, and ultimately decided I would go with War and Peace. So, you know, I think all three of these sort of, you know, were, were in contention for me. So I was I was feeling very clever. Yeah. That brings us to Friday. This is quarterfinal game nine. So we'll come back on Monday and do semifinals. And then... We'll have a Thursday, Friday finals. That'll be Mm -hmm. nice. Our contestants, yeah, (laughs) our contestants for this last of the quarterfinals are Itai Sofer, a news producer and journalist from New Orleans, Louisiana, Michael Menkus, a data analyst from Kansas City, Missouri, and Tamara Mm -hmm. Gadas, an editor from Chicago, Illinois. And the Jeopardy round categories are Touch Some Grass. C in the middle, Uh, the letter C will be in the exact middle of each correct response. That's just terrible, uh, but not terrible like the usual spelling, terrible like something that one can tear. Mm -hmm. Full court press, 2-3 zone, and coaching basketball. Uh, Tough miss and rebound at the $2,000 level of that's just terrible. Shakespeare plot twist. Let the angel tell thee this man was from his mother's womb, untimely ripped. Michael tries who is Macbeth. He's in the right play, but he's picked the wrong character. It is Macduff. Tamara gets the rebound. That's right. Macduff can kill Macbeth because he was not born.
0: (laughs) Which I mean, now I, I, I realize at the time, perhaps, you know, the, the, common sentiment was like oh well that doesn't count as birth i I feel like now we're kind of like
1: telling the c-section moms they didn't give birth exactly right like actually don't "Mm -hmm." like that's not a good thing to say that's that's, there's some weird elitism that happens around that
0: yeah and
1: people need to knock it off
0: was was not of woman born like oh are you sure though Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. how else though
1: yeah The $200 level of that's just terrible. Here's the satisfying sound of this fastening brand that was founded in 1952 getting unfastened. And they played a sound effect and then Michael got it. It's Velcro and references ASMR, which like the explosion of ASMR in In the last few years, the last few years is unreal. If If you're listening to the podcast and you're not familiar with that as a keyword, just like, Look it up just to like know that that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. look it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, a daily double number one is in full court press at the eight hundred dollar level. Pick number eleven. Michael finds it. He did have a exclamation part next to his name, so I have to yell it. He's at twenty six hundred. Tamara's at fourteen hundred. Itai is at thirty two hundred. Any bets at all? He gets the clue. In 1803, the National Intelligencer covered the court case between James Madison and this Midnight Appointee. He gets it correct with who is Marbury versus Madison. Mm. Mm. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Tamara's at 5,000, Michael is at 800, and Itai is at 3,000. Those are nice, even scores. Like, just nice, round, pleasant scores. Uh, Double Jeopardy categories are Historic Battles. Dashiell Hammett, Gas Everywhere, What's in a Name, the TV spinoff source, and Silent Consonant Words.
1: I'm sort of bothered by the claim that at, at the $1,200 level of Silent Consonant Words, in ancient Greek theater, Aeschylus reduced the number of the performers in this from 50 to 12. Yutai gets that. That is a chorus. I guess they're saying the H in chorus is I silent.
0: I yeah.
1: I don't know. I mean, I guess if you took the H out, it would still be pronounced chorus phonetically. But like...
0: But like C-H has come to have the sound K in so many situations, yeah. you know? Yeah. Especially coming from the Greek. Mm-hmm. I agree. Does not feel right.
1: Yeah. We had some, some titles that were familiar to me in the TV spinoff source category at the $400 level Mm -hmm. more monster mash angel tomorrow got that one that's buffy the vampire slayer you know i never got into the one at the 1200 level far-flung fiction caprica Mm -hmm. tomorrow got that one as well that's battlestar galactica you know what i tried to watch quite a bit of get battlestar galactica i just never it never pulled me in Yeah. yeah i kept pushing through hoping that eventually i would find it as compelling as the Battlestar Galactica fans seem to, but I never quite did. I don't sure. know. Are you are you a Battlestar Galactica we, fan?
0: I I wouldn't say a fan. Like we watched it. I mean, at this point, like ten years ago, this, we we mm-hmm. watched it pretty. We watched Lost, and then the next show we watched was Battlestar Galactica. Both Ugh. of which kind of kind of go off the rails. <laughs> yeah. After a bit, so I don't know. It it was fine. We we did end up finishing it, but we. Just like with Lost, we kind of got to a point where we we're like, "Well, let's just see, let's just watch the rest of it, so that we have watched it." You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the sixteen hundred dollar level. The clue is the Winchesters were paranormal parents. That's supernatural, no one got that. There was a good year or so where, despite my never having watched a single episode of Paranor or of, of Supernatural, my Facebook algorithm was convinced that I needed every single post about Supernatural. To show up on my feed, why I don't know. Now it's convinced that I am the biggest like comic book fan. I get nothing but Marvel and DC posts, and I don't huh. understand why.
1: Okay, I have a lot of supernatural fans in my family, and I think I would like it. But my I I also have heard a lot of people be up in arms because like Netflix doesn't have the rights to the music, like like mm. part of part of Supernatural. Was I guess there was like a lot of like classic rock, you know, like the soundtrack was, you know, was something people liked about it. And Netflix had to replace it with like other stuff that they could get the rights to. And so streaming it, I guess, is supposed to be a pretty different experience from watching the hmm. original series. Curious. Yeah.
0: It always, it, 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 it always like, I don't know, surprises me. When I learn about the Ottoman Empire and its, like, military incursions into Europe, because I, in my brain, they are separate parts of the world. Yeah. Right? The Ottoman Empire is the Middle East. And, you know, Europe is Europe. And there is some sort of space between those two, which, of course, isn't true, right? They obviously border each other as all... like mm-hmm. land masses do on a continent. <laughs> but the $1,600 level of historic battles, a cavalry force of 3,000 Polish hussars helped break the 1683 siege of Vienna by forces of this empire when the ensuing battle. That's the Ottoman Empire. Michael got it. I don't know why it feels weird, but it feels weird to me to picture Ottoman forces like in Vienna, you know? Mm-hmm. It feels like those would be just entirely separate places and things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I get that.
0: Which, I mean, I guess is also kind of similar to the idea of like Attila the Hun sacking Rome. I'm like, mm. how? That, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that is an insurmountable distance.
1: It's like Marvel and DC. You're not supposed to. You're like, you're in the wrong. <laughs>
0: you're just you're supposed to be
1: over there. Yeah. Daily Double number two is in What's in a Name at the $1,600 level. Pick number seven. Tamara finds this one. She's at 6,200 with Michael at 12,000 and Itai at 1,000. She wagers 4,500 looking to get close to the lead and gets the clue the name of this ocean liner was a Roman province that included what is now Portugal and Western Spain. And she gets it. It is Lusitania.
0: She's very animated, which is cool to see. Yeah. Uh, and Daily Double Number Three is also found by her in the silent consonant words at the sixteen hundred dollar level. At pick number twenty, so it's later in the round, she's up to eleven thousand. Michael's at eighteen thousand eight hundred, and Itai is at eighteen hundred. She her seven thousand. Try to try to get up close to that lead. Gets a clue, relevant or suitable, it comes from a French phrase meaning to the purpose. It seems like she feels like she should know it, or that she does know it, but she can't get there. She guesses what is apt, but it is apropos.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So she drops down.
1: That drops her to 4,100, and she really scrambles to try to recover and get into contention for the round ends. And there were there were times when I thought she was going to be able to do it, mm-hmm. but she doesn't quite make it. At the end of the double jeopardy round, she's back up to 8,500. That is a $4,400 recovery in the last 10 clues. Pretty good. It's pretty solid, but Michael has picked up a little bit more now. Also, she would she would have needed him to, you know, she she would have needed to either get a little bit more or for him to have a miss or two, but he's picked up some more. He's at 20,800, so he's in a lock position. Itai has also made it up a little bit. He's at 5,400. And the final Jeopardy! category is Leading Ladies Next in Line. And the clue is Janet Gaynor, Judy Garland... Barbara Streisand, her. So you got to kind of puzzle this one out. Itai gets it. It is Lady Gaga. These are the leads in four different screen versions of A Star is Born. Uh, Mm -hmm. Itai's wagered 601, putting him at 6,001. Tamara tried, who is Bernadette Peters? Solid guess. If you can't figure out, you know, sort of what they have in common, Bernadette Peters feels kind of in line with I don't know Janet Gaynor, but Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand. Like mm-hmm. I, I see, I see the through line. Tomorrow wagered nothing, so she'll sit pat, stand pat, stand pat, stand pat. She'll she'll stay at eighty five hundred. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to speak English. Michael tried who is Hepburn. Michael rips him a little bit. Says you know, covering your bases could be Eddie Hepburn. He didn't wager anything either, so he stays at twenty thousand eight hundred, and we'll see him back next week for the semifinals. Yep. So that's the week, and this is the point in the middle of the episode when we remind you that we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash potent potables. The money from that comes in from listeners like you, a couple dollars a person, some something like that, and helps us with the costs of making this podcast. You know, there's hosting costs and software costs and whatever. We've been experimenting with software stuff. So if you notice the sound quality is different and possibly worse, please bear uh, with us. <laughs> We're trying to figure out how to do this in a, an amount of time that works for us. We found some things that work faster, but maybe not as well. We're going to keep working on it. I would submit to you that nobody is as bothered by the poor sound quality as we are.
0: Probably uh, not. Probably, probably, probably it's a big not. deal to us. but <laughs> But if anybody is, we are working on it.
1: Yes, we absolutely are. But the things that we're trying—that's all—that's all stuff that we're paying for with the with the money from the Patreon. So thank you for those who are helping us out over there. If you have a couple bucks a month to help us with that, Patreon.com/slash Potent We try to put some exclusive content on there at the very least. The quiz questions, which go on there after we record but before we finished editing, so that you get an early peek at those. And you know what? Feel free to plunder them for your for your trivia purposes um, yeah yeah uh, paid for them. there are there are more important things than our podcast so we don't like to ask for money at all honestly <laughs> but if we're going to we feel like we need to acknowledge that there are there are people out in the world doing like much more important things with money than what we're doing over here so we put a few that we care about in the show notes yeah all right kyle what are we talking about today Are you
0: going to go out of character and talk about the 30 years war?
1: I'm not. No.
0: Okay. Are you going to talk about Earth Day? No. Are we going to talk about Attila the
1: Hun? No, I felt Ah. like I should talk about Attila the Hun, but I didn't want to. So (laughs) Fair. We are, I am a little out of character today, though, because I mean, I guess the category feels in character. We're back in the Tuesday game, young people's nonfiction, $600 level. A 2005 book tells the chilling saga of this group that included 90% of German kids by 1939. That's the Hitler Youth. That was on my list.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Really bring up the mood. Emily. Yeah. You
1: know what? You talked about Pol Pot last week, so let's not. That's fair. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like I sort of, I knew the Hitler Youth was a thing and had some, like, I don't know, mental images, but, like, I don't know, was was not, I don't know. I was like, let me let me put some actual facts instead of some, like, you know, sort of vague Hollywood stuff around this. Okay. Yeah, so the Hitler Youth, an uplifting deep dive. <laughs> 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 So the youth organization of the Nazi Party in Germany was, you know, the the Hitler Youth is used as an umbrella term, but also was a specific organization within kind of a group of youth organizations of the Nazi Party. Its origins date back to 1922, but it received the name Hitlerjugend Bund Deutscher Arbeiterjugend, the Hitler Youth League of German Worker Youth, in July 1926. It was composed of the Hitler Youth proper, which was for boys aged fourteen to eighteen, and then there was also the Deutsches Jungvolk, in der uh, the the German youngsters in the Hitler Youth for younger boys aged ten to fourteen, and then there were there were girls' organizations as well. So going back to the origins, in nineteen twenty, the Nazi Party in Munich, established its official youth organization called Gunbunder NSDAP, the abbreviation, like acronym for the the Nazi party. There was also another youth group that was established in 1922 as the Jungsturm Adolf Hitler, which served to train and recruit future members of the, the, like the stormtroopers, the Sturmabteilung, I I don't really, my German pronunciation is not great but was specifically to train and recruit future members of the, the stormtroopers and like one reason that this developed so easily and like seemed natural was that there were a lot of kind of regimented structured organizations for young people and particularly adolescent boys, many of them focused on politics. That was like a familiar concept to German society at the time. Hmm. Uh, there were numerous youth movements um, across Germany prior to and especially after World War One. There were prominent ones that were formed for political reasons like the Young Conservatives and the Young Protestants. I haven't looked into the Young Protestants. I <laughs> there, There's parts I'm curious about that name ended, ended up being political, uh, political, primarily political, but you know whatever. Didn't get into that today. So forms originally in 1922. It has like about 1,200 members in 1923. Wow. The Nazi youth groups were ostensibly disbanded after the November 1923 Beer Hall Putsch, which was a failed coup d'etat by Hitler and other Nazi leaders in Munich. Approximately 2,000 Nazis marched on the Feldernhalle in the city center, were confronted by a police cordon. Ultimately, 16 Nazis died, four police officers, one bystander. And this led to the imprisonment during which which Hitler wrote Mein Kampf. So the groups are ostensibly disbanded during this, but they didn't really fully disband. They instead continued to operate somewhat clandestinely and under a new name, Grossdeutsche Jugendbewegung. Greater German Youth Movement. I don't know how to pronounce that one in German. I can't even. I don't think I can even attempt it. It's too many. There's, there's too. It's just too long. <laughs> and then in 1926, uh, July 4th, that organization was officially renamed uh, Hitler Jugendbund der Deutschen Arbeiterjugend, Hitler Youth League of German Worker Youth, and that took place about a year after the Nazi Party was reorganized and. The sort of mastermind behind this was Kurt Gruber, a law student from Plauen in Saxony. By 1930, the Hitler Jugend had enlisted over 25,000 boys aged 14 and up. And they, at that point, had set up a junior branch that I mentioned, the one for boys aged 10 to 14. And then there was a parallel organization for girls. The League of German Girls, BDM, is the, the German acronym for that one. When the Nazi party was refounded, the membership of the Hitler Youth grew to over 5,000. Five years later, so like 1930, it's at 26,000. By the end of 1932, it was around 108,000. In 1931, it becomes officially like affiliated with the the stormtroopers, the, what is that? Storm Abteilung. I'm probably saying mm. it wrong, by a decree issued by Hitler. In April 1932, Chancellor Heinrich Brüning bans the Hitler Youth Movement in an attempt to stop widespread political violence. Uh, but then in June, Brüning's successor, as Chancellor Franz von Papen, lifted the ban as a way of appeasing Hitler who was <laughs> rapidly ascending. And uh, known,
0: known for appeasement to work. Yes,
1: yeah, yes. And then a further significant expansion started in 1930. Uh, Baldur von Schirach was Schirach was appointed by Hitler as the first Reichsjugendfuhrer, the, the Reich youth leader, and all youth organizations were brought under his control. When the Nazis came to power in 1933, The membership of Hitler Youth Organizations increased dramatically to 2.3 million members by the end of that year. Um, Much of this due to forcible takeover of other youth organizations. The Mm. Lutheran Youth Organization, the Evangelische Jugend, Evangelical Youth, was 600,000 members and was integrated into the Hitler Youth on February 18, 1934, for example, Um, in December 1936, a law declared the Hitler Youth to be the only legally permitted youth organization in Germany and stated that all of the German youth in the Reich is organized within the Hitler Youth. By December 1936, Hitler Youth membership had reached over 5 million. And that same month membership became mandatory for Aryans who were, you know, in the, in the age range. And then the legal obligation was reaffirmed in March 19 with the Youth service duty, I'm not going to attempt that German, I think it has like seven Mm. consonants in a row somewhere in there, which which conscripted all German youths into the Hitler youth, even if their parents objected. Parents who refused to allow their children to join were subject to investigation by the authorities. And from that point on, the vast majority of Germany's teenagers belonged to the Hitler Youth. It had 8 million members by 1940. Even before membership was made mandatory in 1939, German youth were facing strong pressure to join. Students who held out would be like assigned essays in school with titles like, Why Am I Not in the Hitler Youth? There could be academic consequences up to and including withholding diplomas, preventing them from pursuing further education. By 1936, the Hitler Youth had a monopoly on all youth sports facilities in Germany. Uh, so, non-members could not participate in sports at all. Um, over time, a number of boys dropped out due to the, you know, the, the regimented nature of the organization, or you know, just not being into it. Um, but many of them later rejoined as they found that they couldn't get a job or enter university without membership in the Hitler Youth. There were a few members of the Hitler Youth, at least a few documented, who privately disagreed but participated you know, to avoid calling attention to themselves or whatever. Hans Scholl, the brother of Sophie Scholl, one of the leading figures of the resistance movement, Vice Rose, was also a member of the Hitler Youth. The Hitler Youth was organized into local cells on a community level. They had weekly meetings where they were indoctrinated by adult leaders. And then regional leaders would organize rallies and field exercises with several dozen local cells participating. And then there was a national gathering annually in Nuremberg, where members from all over Germany would converge for the annual Nazi party rally. Premarital sex was encouraged in the Hitler youth. Hmm. Um, Yeah, this doesn't conform to the general beliefs of the Nazi party. Premarital sex was generally viewed as um, undesirable and a potential like public health hazard. like a, I, I assume a, a risk to like racial purity, um, but uh, the Hitler youth were already all vetted. Um, and so they didn't have the same kinds of problems with that. The 1936 Nuremberg rally had 100,000 Hitler youth in attendance and about 900 of the girls came, but ages 15 to 18, became pregnant in that. the, it, like, immediately subsequent, you know, presumably at that event. Um, yeah. The Hitler Youth maintained training ca- academies, which were designed to nurture future Nazi party leaders, also maintained several corps designed to develop future officers for the armed forces. There was another branch, the Deutsche Arbeiterjugend, the German Worker Youth, which was a training ground for future labor leaders and technicians. They ran a bunch of monthly and weekly publications. Hitler Youth were encouraged to kind of report back on church activities. So they were used to break up church youth groups and spy on religious classes and Bible studies and church attendance and, you know, what was being taught in the churches, the organization appropriated many of the activities of the boy scout movement which was you know banned when all the youth organizations other than hitler right. youth were disbanded boy scouts were disbanded but they appropriated a bunch of the boy scout stuff camping and hiking and whatever but over time the hitler youth program changed shifting more toward activities that more closely resembled military training weapons familiarization assault course circuits and fighting tactics Shortly before World War II begins, the the leader of the Hitler Youth agrees with General Wilhelm Keitel that the entire Hitler Youth leadership must have defense training. On May 1st, 1940, Arthur Axmann was appointed deputy to Schirach, whom he succeeded as the Reichsjugendführer of the Hitler Youth, the leader of the Hitler Youth on, on August 8th and began to reform the group into an auxiliary force which could perform war duties. The Hitler Youth became active in German fire brigades, assisted with recovery efforts to German cities affected by Allied bombing, and then also assisted in things like the Postal Service, Railway Service, government offices, and so on. In 1942, Hitler decreed the establishment of Hitler Youth Defense Training Camps, led by Wehrmacht officers. So Nazi leaders began turning the Hitler Youth into a military reserve to replace manpower, which had been depleted due to tremendous military losses. Axmann proposed the idea of a combat unit of Hitler Youth members. And in 1943, Hitler approved the creation of a unit of Hitler Youth members who were born in 1926. So these would have been 16 to 17-year-olds in a dedicated military unit. That was the... 12th SS Panzer Division Hitlerjugend, who in 1944 were deployed during the Battle of Normandy against the British and Canadian forces to the north of Mm. Cayenne. 20,000 German youths were were there, of whom about 3,000 died. They took out like 28 Canadian tanks. Mm. Yeah. That's heavy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. As German casualties escalated, members of the Hitler Jugend were recruited into the military at ever younger ages. By 1945, they were commonly drafting 12 year old Hitler youth members. <laughs> yeah. During the Battle of Berlin, Axmann's Hitler youth formed a major part of the last line of German defense. They were reportedly among the fiercest fighters. The city commander, General Helmut Weidling, ordered Axmann to disband the Hitler youth combat formations but in the confusion, this order was never carried out. The Hitler Youth took heavy casualties and only two ended up surviving. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so once Nazi Germany was defeated by the Allied powers, the Hitler Youth, uh, like all Nazi organizations, was officially abolished uh, by the Allied Control Council on October 10th, 1945, and later banned by the German Criminal Code. Some Hitler Youth members were suspected of war crimes, but also they had been literal children. Children. Um, Yeah. So no serious efforts were made to prosecute these claims. The Hitler Youth was never declared a criminal organization, but its adult leadership was considered tainted for, you know, having led that effort. Many adult leaders of the Hitler Youth were tried by Allied authorities. Baldur von Schüroch was sentenced to 20 years in prison, but not actually for the Hitler Youth stuff, for other things he did. And Artur Oxman received a 39-month prison sentence it was in May 1949, but was found not guilty of war crimes. Membership in the Hitler Youth had been compulsory. Everybody had been, you know, pretty much all the people in in those, you know, of those ages had been involved. So it's not surprising or uncommon that many senior leaders of East and West Germany had been members of the Hitler Youth. It wasn't seen as compromising because, you know, it had been mandatory.
0: Right. Um, literally yeah. everyone.
1: Yeah. Literally everyone. Like some people managed to like mostly kind of dodge, but like, yeah, no, li- like, literally everyone. Social historians have referred to those born in Germany from 1922 to 1930 as the Hitler Youth Generation. And we see like a couple of different things with that generation. This is a generation that was immersed in Nazi propaganda at a young and formative age. And so that makes some members of this generation some of the most fanatical adherents of Nazi ideology. On the other hand, this is a, you know, this is a generation that has been you know, very much harmed by that. Historian Gerard Rempel reports that a large percentage of the boys who served in the Hitler youth slowly came to the realization that they had worked and for a criminal cause, which they carried for a lifetime. Some of them recall a loss of freedom and claimed that their time in the Hitler youth had robbed them of a normal childhood. I think arguably, Nazism think robbed a lot of people of a normal childhood. But yes. Yeah, for sure. So... That's that's what I know now about the Hitler youth. Um, yeah, it's it's dark stuff, but I don't know, I guess I'm glad that I looked into it rather than going with my kind of vague kind of mostly media driven image yeah. that I'd had. Yeah yeah,
0: for sure yeah
1: yeah. So are you ready for a quiz? Yeah yeah, yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I don't really have a theme here. Some of it's Hitler Youth, and some of it's kind of like adjacent, like youth organization kind of question. I don't know. Like it's okay. it's, it's a mishmash. All right. So, question one: the Jeopardy clue that inspired this deep dive asked about the book Hitler Youth Growing Up in Hitler's Shadow by Susan Campbell Bartoletti. That book was a contender for, but ultimately did not receive the top prize from, what award which recognizes the most distinguished contributions to American literature for children?
0: Oh, now I have to remember which one is which. Oh, shoot. I think, okay, so... Newberry or Caldecott, and I think Newberry is the one about like books, and Caldecott is the one about illustration, so I'm going to go with Newberry?
1: That is correct, yes. Yeah, so growing up in Hitler's, the Hitler Youth growing up in Hitler's Shadow was a Newberry Honor book. So Newberry Honor books were like contenders that didn't ultimately get the Newberry Award that year. So it received a 2006 Newberry Honor, but the Newberry Award that year went to the book chris Cross, which is i don't know about like the rappers. yes about the rappers i i don't really remember chris uh, what crisscross was about but I, I looked up and it's you know like like friendship and emotions and you know coming of age you know oh, all that yeah. nonsense all yeah. that stuff yeah but hey nice you remembered that it was newberry and Caldecott is the art one so you're at 10 points question two in a famous rogers and hammerstein musical the character Rolf is presumably a Hitler youth, given his age and what else we know about him. What is the song in which he assures Liesel that since he is older and wiser, he will take care of her?
0: Oh, geez. I don't. I haven't watched The Sound of Music in at least a decade. I'm trying to go through the, the songs in the kids' don't sing in a bunch of them pretty sure it's not whatever the song is where they say good night i don't know what the name of that song is
1: rolf is not one of the von trapp kids he's the is the teenage love interest oh that's
0: right that's right that's right that's right oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. see this is how much i don't know of sound of music mm-hmm. is again i don't remember the titles like I, I think i know the song so i'm just gonna say Sixteen going on seventeen.
1: That is exactly correct. Okay. Nice God. job. Yeah, yeah. So Lisa is sixteen going on seventeen, and Rolf is seventeen going on eighteen in mm. in Austria. So he he would have been in Hitler in the Hitler Youth at that point. Pre- presumably, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, also he is he's, he he's a full on Nazi. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Feels yep. bad.
1: Yep. 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 But hey, nice. You got it. 16 going on 17 is correct. You're at 20 points. Question three. What is the title of the 2019 film written and directed by Taika Waititi in which the title character is a 10-year-old Hitler youth who discovers that his mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their attic?
0: It's Jojo Rabbit.
1: It is Jojo Rabbit. I hadn't seen Jojo Rabbit, and I didn't realize that that was what it was about.
0: Yeah, I I haven't seen it either, but I have come across that it's based on a book.
1: Yeah, a book, and called that the caging skies apparently. But apparently, you know more about this than I do. The, I uh, think
0: all I do is all I all I know is what I read is that like Jojo Rabbit is very kind of like positive, uplifting like story, and like he you know like learns about being a good person and all that. But apparently, the book is not that. Huh. Yeah, I haven't read it. I haven't seen it. I don't know. I just saw something about like in the book, he's actually just a bad dude to the person who is Ooh. living in his house. Okay. Um, and it's not necessarily a good thing. So,
1: yeah. Okay. Well, I'm putting Jojo Rabbit on my list, but maybe not Caging Skies. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, you're at 30 points. Question four, Hitler Youth in many ways co-opted the structures of the scouting movement, but as far as I know, they didn't do the activity for which Girl Scouts are currently best known by the general public. (laughs) Cookie sales. Between the two manufacturers, uh, Little Brownie Bakers and ABC Bakers, which manufacture Girl Scout cookies for different regions of the country, there are 13 varieties of Girl Scout cookies currently available, some of which have two names. I will give you one point each for, for each variety you can name up to 10 points. Oh my And God. if you, if you name like the, you know, like one name of something one that has two names, you can't, gotcha. you can't, I, I'm not going to give you a point for the other name for it. the same thing.
0: Okay. Hang on. I'm, I'm writing down. I'm, I'm engaging my fat child brain. All right. Mm-hmm. There are 13 varieties. Yeah. that cannot be true. They
1: would they wouldn't all be available to you because some are made only by ABC and others are made only by little Brownie. So yeah, so no market has all 13 available to them. but uh, you should let's see. one one market has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten. Okay, so you'd have to get all of them if you're doing little Brownie. and then I think ABC has more, let's see one, two, three, four. Six, seven, eight. Oh no, they also have ten. Oh, this is maybe too hard. I think if you get to if you get to seven, I'll give you, I'll throw you three bonus points, and we'll, and we'll make that a full ten.
0: Okay, let's see. I have Samoas. Yep. So segments, that rules out. Okay. Trefoil. Yep. Tag along.
1: Mm-hmm. Dosi do Hold on, I'm getting behind now. All right, so you said Samoa's, Thin Mint's, Trefoil, Tagalong,
0: and do-si-do. dosido.
1: All right, nice.
0: And that's all I have. I'm trying to picture the boxes. We don't we don't get any other varieties. There's a a very new one. There's like the newest one.
1: Yeah, the viral. And I,
0: and I got it last time and it was good and I don't remember what it's called because it's new and that's stupid. There shouldn't be new things for me to learn. (laughs) You know what? I don't think I'm going to get them. So I'm just going to cut it at five. I'll I'll take it.
1: All right. Five points. So, okay. Nice job. Five points. And the names that you're throwing me tell me that you're in a little brownie baker's market. So the other ones that you could know are the Girl Scout s'mores cookie. Uh, Okay. Toffee-tastic, the gluten-free one never even seen i i they're, guarantee they're not, i've never seen that. they're not good lemon ups adventure fulls which are brownie inspired with a caramel cream and sea salt
0: you are making these up i swear uh, there's I'm no not. way these and are then real
1: raspberry rally the ones that went viral and were selling in the resale market for like a squillion dollars uh,
0: you know y- it it just sounds like you're making things up
1: yeah yes yeah, so i am I am. Fake and if you news, were in I'm an ABC speak. baker's market, thin mints are the same, but then Samoas are called caramel delights. Dosey does are unfortunately just called peanut butter sandwiches. Tagalongs, oh, for reasons I cannot excl- explain, are called peanut butter patties. Uh, there's mm-hmm. lemonades. Trefoils are just called shortbread. Wow. Oh. I, I feel so bad for the people in the ABC baker's market. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a gluten free caramel chocolate chip. There's something called Toast Yay. Um, <laughs> something called Toasty
0: or <laughs> I mean.
1: French toast inspired cookies dipped in icing and then they also have Adventure and Raspberry Rallies there also Again. are something like 60 discontinued varieties I cannot begin to tell you how many attempts they've made at a lemon flavored Girl Scout cookie <laughs> <laughs> and they just keep retiring them because it is not working
0: someday you know perseverance yeah.
1: Also, there's lots of retired, like low fat and like sugar free and whatever. Um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. You're at 35 points. Question five What is the term used for several historical events? One was a possibly apocryphal event of 1212 AD CE in which bands of young Christians attempted to reach the Holy Land. Another was a 1963 march in Birmingham, Alabama, which greatly increased the pressure on JFK to support civil rights legislation, but was opposed by Martin Luther King Jr. because of the risk to the 5,000 school students participating.
0: Hmm. I assume that would be a children's crusade.
1: Yeah. A children's crusade is correct. Um, and the history, historicity of the uh, Children's Crusade during the Crusades is contested. Yeah. Okay. but But there's a bunch of, you know, lore and legend about that. And then the Children's Crusade of the Civil Rights Movement, Martin Luther King was, was concerned about, but it went forward anyway.
0: Understandable. Yeah,
1: understandably. Another prominent Children's Crusade Is the in the labor movement, so 1901 to 1903, led by Mother Jones of children working in silk mills in the Mm. northeastern United States. So nice work. You're at 45 points going into the final. And what are we going to call this? I'm going to call it 21st century history.
0: 21st century history. Seems Um, like that
1: shouldn't be a thing, but it is. I'll go
0: 30 points.
1: All right. So for 75, if you are correct, because membership in the Hitler Youth was compulsory, it was not considered to be disqualifying for various high offices. Mm. Joseph Ratzinger was in the Hitler Youth from his 14th birthday in 1941 on. Before going on to a career that led eventually to him being known worldwide by what other name?
0: That is Pope Benedict the Sixteenth.
1: Yes, that is correct. I was, yeah,
0: I was going to mention that during the deep dive when you were talking ah. about every, everyone being in it. And I was like, which was, which is why it's like <laughs> some people are like, how could they look to Pope who was in, in the Hitler Youth? It's like, well, literally every German was. Yeah. Like.
1: There are lots of things I didn't like about Benedict XVI, but like sure. soft on the Holocaust was not really one of seven. Like, right. He, he, I believe that like in his church career, he went on record. He also deserted when things were getting really hairy with the Hitler youth getting sent into battles that they had no business being in he, as children. Right. He, as children. Eventually, yeah. he, he eventually like noped out and just like went home. Yeah. Which good for him in my opinion like yeah hey this deep dive was a bit of a downer but you finished this quiz with 75 points
0: yay yay that was very nice yeah ready to bring it back yeah (laughs)
1: yeah nothing nothing to bring the mood up like like a quiz quiz that hits some of your some of your areas of expertise yeah yeah well while we're while we're having a uh, little celebratory moment let's celebrate our listeners hey listeners yay. thank you for being here yay make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts leave a rating or review if you have a minute to do that our patreon once more is patreon.com slash potent potables and if you have friends who like jeopardy tell them about our podcast.
0: You can all find us on Facebook at Potent Potables, on Twitter at PotentPotables1. Our email address is PotentPotablesCast at com, and our website is PotentPod.com.
1: And we'll be back next week with more Jeopardy and hopefully a cheerier deep dive.
0: Uh, make <laughs> no promises.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, until then, may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker.